Blog Talk Radio. the hour on Wednesday, October 15th, and you're listening to yet another edition of BAMS Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio family. I'm Kerry Clark, your co-host from BamaMag.com, joined as always by Drew Diamond of AlabamaIntel.com, and back in the gym, Mount Cleveland, he's here. Mighty Mount Cleveland. And back in the studio, we have Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine producing, uh, as always, and uh, Drew and uh, slow down to the mouth for even a little bit. We can uh, rehash the uh, narrow, close, probably should have been a loss, 14-13 win by Alabama in Fayetteville. Yeah, it was a, it was a tough uh, night, uh, Kerry. There's no doubt about it. But they found a way to win the football game. Uh, defense played with a lot of toughness. They did a great job against the run, especially in the second half. Uh, you know, I really thought the front seven played exceptionally well. You know, Reggie Ragland. Uh, Ryan Anderson, who played his best game in a Crimson Tide uniform. Uh, J.K. Scott was the MVP for the second straight week. A lot of times that's not a good thing for a punter to be the MVP of your football team, but he's still done his job very, very well. Uh, the kicking game was, once again, not good at all. Uh, a lot of mental errors on offense, uh, especially, you know, I felt like Blake Sims finally got a little rattled in the game uh, for the first time, really, as quarterback, and it, where, it, where it lasted for a good portion of the game. But, uh, again, they, you have to just find a way to win sometimes like that. They were able to do so, and it was a, it was a, a win is a win. And I think Arkansas is a much improved team. I still don't think they're a very good passing team, and Alabama had some issues with the secondary, and that's really what's going to be the key to getting cleaned up this week against Texas A&M. I thought Xavier Dixon also played a great game. Uh, you mentioned J.K. Scott. Um, offensively, really nobody played very well with the possible exceptions of DeAndre White and Cam Robinson. Right. I thought, you know, DeAndre was great to get him back in the lineup. Uh, had a big touchdown catch, the winning catch. Uh, made a few catches in the game. Only uh, completed 11 passes. Uh, they took away Amari Cooper. He had two catches for 22 yards. And then got a little dinged up with his shoulder and the ribs and then the knee. But, uh, you know, still finished the football game. The thing that was most disturbing, Alabama didn't run the football very well, Kerry. Uh, they only rushed for 66 yards in the game. Uh, T.J. Yeldon with uh, a team leading 45 has got to be more physical. I put out a story today about what I think needs to happen offensively. They've got to start featuring, in my opinion, the zone read and the read option because that's Blake Sims' strength. They've got to go from spread formations like they did against Florida. As you know, we had uh, his high school coach on, and he ran a spread attack in high school. Looks very comfortable against Florida doing that. Uh, the tight formations for him in, uh, in Alabama's offense when he has to operate from the pocket, I just don't think suit him very well. And uh, he's just not a West Coast quarterback. He's uh, he's more he's a spread QB, and he's more comfortable in the passing game when he's improvising on the edges. 
Yeah, and I thought that uh, the uh, I, I just continue to be befuddled, Drew, by the errors on special teams. I don't, I, I, you know, <laughs> at some point, do you not have to make a change at punt returner? Uh, you know, I, you know that, was what, that, that was the thing that was the most disturbing to me, Kerry. I mean, I, I you know, you, you, you see, Christian Jones has been a solid guy for three years, had a, was, had a great year last year as a returner, was one of the best in the nation. And then, you know, first, you know, punt of the game this week after his struggles early in the season, it, it bounces. It, it's two yards away from the nearest Alabama football player. Nothing but Razorbacks around him, and he dives for the football. I mean, I just I don't understand where his judgment is. And in his limited opportunities behind uh, Christian this year, Cyrus Jones has done a nice job. And Cyrus got his opportunity. And then in the second half, he catches a punt carry. Looks like he's got a little room to, you know, get Alabama around midfield, really good field position in the fourth quarter. And he just drops the football without even getting touched. I mean, it was to me, it was the most mystifying thing I've ever seen in my life. That situation, and then getting 12 men in the huddle coming out of a timeout. I mean, you know, Bobby Williams better be glad I'm not the head coach because I might have left him in Fayetteville. Well, it's, you know, Lane Kiffin's supposed to be a genius. I kind of assumed you count to 11. Uh, somebody. But, I mean, I'm only calling out Bobby Williams because it was the tight end situation where, you know, Dakota Ball didn't realize he had to come off the field. you got to be aware. If you're, if you're their position coach, you got to know who's in the football game. And to me, you're looking at Bobby Williams just shaking his head. I'm not even sure Bobby Williams knew what was going on, and that was the disturbing part to me. Well, you know, and he's also in charge of the de facto special teams coach. Uh, exactly. I, uh, <laughs> Wow, I, 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 you know, it, every year that he's retained, it's it's a little more amazing. But anyway, uh, I guess it's not our place to hire and fire assistant coaches. Uh, I walked into the office after the Ole Miss game, and old Jared from Southside, one of our callers, he had already fired half the staff. So <laughs> I think all he kept was the two coordinators. But uh, yeah. anyway, uh, you know, I, I I don't want to harp on the bad, but I just want to say one last thing, Drew. Right. Uh, if you look at the replay. Uh, Trey Priest did not cause that fumble at the goal line. He did have a part in bagging the ball out of the end zone, but the ball was already coming out of Cody Walker's hands before he got to the goal line. It wasn't caused by Trey. Trey did kind of deflect it out of the end zone, but the ball was already squirting out, much like it squirted out of, of Cyrus's hands, as, as you said. It, and I realized the ball was probably a little wet. But right. if that guy scores or if there's not a bad snap on Arkansas, still go to 10th. Chances are they win the game. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, there's really no doubt about that. I, it was a nerve-wracking situation. I mean, uh, we, and, you, and once again, you know, Adam Griffith misses a 30-yard field goal. You know, you miss an opportunity there to score. Um, you know, the, all the it was an amazing – really, that's what made the, the, the effort by the defense even more amazing because they got put in bad situations the whole game, Kerry, and were able to hold up and just – you know, it was a little bit of a rough start against the run, but they really settled in and they really started shutting Arkansas down. And uh, I really felt, felt like, you know, that was the key to the game. And then they were able to force some turnovers themselves. Alex Collins fumbled. And, uh, you know, they were able to recover that. Ryan Anderson recovered that. You kind of wish that we could have, you know, made some plays and cashed in some of those opportunities, but never could get consistent enough. I, and I know a lot of people hadn't really talked about it, but I, for the most part, in his first game, I thought Bradley Bozeman did a pretty good job. I thought he held up at the point of attack. The snap snafu 
late in the football game. Really wasn't his fault. It looked like it was more Blake dropping it. And then Blake still uh, salvaged it for a three-yard gain. So they didn't have problems with the shotgun snaps or the snaps. And, and, I, and they, it may have been they didn't want to go from the shotgun a lot in that game because of, you know, they didn't want to put you know, Bozeman in that kind of situation. But I was just surprised that they didn't run option more. The one time I remember him running it in the first half, Blake got four yards. And to me, they've just got to start taking advantage of his mobility, Kerry, because he's just he, he, he can throw the football better than people anticipated, but he's still going to be erratic at best. And to me, he's not somebody that's going to be able to consistently stretch the field. He can in certain situations, but if you're calling upon him to do it, you know, constantly, and you all, and you're all, and you're behind the chains offensively. Uh, it's going to put your offense in a bad situation. Nine minutes after the hour, and Drew, we've got our first guest on the Big Head Barbecue Hotline, which is seven one four five one zero three seven zero seven. You can call and talk to us too. But first, Drew, why don't you go ahead and introduce our first guest? Absolutely. You know, we're honored once again. He's a monthly guest on our show. Uh, my partner, William Redfish Barger from Alabama Intel is joining us tonight uh, on BAMS Radio. William, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, guys. And, uh, you know, if, if Bill Curry was listening to the, the same part of the show that I just got to be listening to, do you know what he would label you and Kerry? There's no telling, but you, you saw this firsthand. What would we be labeled? Well, and, and before you think I'm attacking y'all or flaming y'all, I want you to know that probably after we get into some questions and some conversations, <laughs> I would be part of the group as well. Uh, but y'all, y'all, or all three of us, would be referred to as the Fellowship of the Miserable. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Well, you know what, uh, William? You mentioned Bill Curry, but watching that game Saturday, I, I felt like I was watching a Gene Stallings coach Alabama team. <laughs> well, you, you and Kevin Skarbansky both, obviously. Um, you know, and guys, like I said, I, I was on a radio show um, Tuesday, and, and a caller called in and you know, basically started getting after me for, you know, sounding overly critical of Nick Saban. And I, I put it to him like this. Um, I said, sir, did, did you vote for Barack Obama for president? And he said, no, I didn't. And I said, let me ask you a question. You know, in the last six years, um, have you spent any amount of time criticizing, you know, him or his policies or how he's run the country? And he goes, oh, yeah, all the time. And I said, so you think it's okay to criticize the leader of the United States, but Nick Saban's beyond reproach. Is that what you're saying? And, uh, you know, I don't think anybody, and I think Skarbansky really kind of, you know, summed it all up for everybody. You know, you know, hey, Nick, you know, you showed up in January of 2007 and said you wanted a football team that dominated their opposition for four quarters, at some point in time in the fourth quarter that you wanted them to, you know, break their spirits both physically and mentally and, and make their ass quit. And now all of a sudden you're telling the fan base that they need to be, you know, happy and eat their humble pie, you know, over a one-point sloppy win against a team that you've beaten 52 to nothing the last two years and they haven't won a conference game since 2012. So, you know, I, I don't – have any problem with the way a portion of the fan base um it sounds like not not just you two myself included let's just make it the three amigos you know are asking questions i don't think anybody's calling for uh nick saban's head for by any stretch of the imagination but for people to ask questions uh why is this not happening why does this continue to happen you know what are the possible solutions 
I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And for Nick Saban to stand up there, um, you know, I guess it was Monday, and, and criticize the fan base for, you know, that, for, for questioning and being a little bit confused over the expectation and the high bar that he set, you know, that, 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 that concerns me and bothers me a little bit, to be honest with you. I'll say this, William, and you mentioned me agreeing with Skarbinski about the Stalins thing. I don't hardly ever agree with Paul Feinbaum. Yesterday, Paul Feinbaum made a statement that once I thought about it, I'm starting to agree with it. And, and this this may be fellowship of the miserable. It may be blasphemy, whatever it may be. But at some point, doesn't the Alabama fan base begin to get tired of Nick Saban acting like we owe him for still hanging around Tuscaloosa? Well, Terry, I mean, where else can Nick Saban go at any level of football in this country and get 80,000 fans to show up for a scrimmage in the spring? You know, nowhere. Where, where else can he go and find, um, you know, 40,000 people that, that travel to every bowl game that he goes to? And I would be willing to bet that out of those 40,000, you know, 35,000 of them are probably dipping into their 401Ks and their retirement plans to make that trip. So I, I just don't appreciate it. I don't think it's the, you know, the Nick Saban that, that, that I've seen in the past. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's, it's out, of the, out of bounds for any fan to sit there and watch, what are we, in six games now? Um, of of one penalty after another, uh, one turnover after another, both being committed by the same players in a lot of instances in multiple games. Um, you know, let's just use the Christian Jones example. Um, Kenyon Drake committed a lot less turnovers and negative plays last year, and we got to see him get benched for the majority of the season. So where's the consistency, Coach? I just I just don't get the whole thing that we're supposed to agree with every word he says and hang on every word he says and yeah we're supposed to support him because he's our head coach and he's won three national championships but on the same token he's four and three against Auburn uh, you know I, as much as I appreciate those three national championships I damn sure like to have another couple of uh, W's against the school from down the road that, call me crazy. Well, you yeah, know, Kerry, I, I, think, I, I think where this thing kind of becomes an interesting talking point is it, it's not so much the the three losses in the you know in less than twelve months. You know, I think when you look at the the way that all three of those losses played out, and maybe to a certain extent you can include Oklahoma because you know that they they've got a great head coach themselves. Um, that's a proven commodity. But where I think it becomes a real interesting talking point is when you look at it from this perspective. You know, has Arkansas, Old Miss, Auburn, you know, maybe we talk about, hopefully not, but maybe we're adding Mississippi State to the mix here in a month. Um, have, have all these programs gotten that much better in, in the span of, of, of 24 months, or has Alabama gone backwards? How about Alabama's not doing as good a job as those two of evaluating prospects? It's an interesting debate. Um, you know, I saw a uh, a great article that the uh, 
the New Orleans newspaper put out Sunday or Monday. In fact, I posted it on our forum that Mississippi State has the lowest percentage of four- and five-star players out of the, all the other schools in the SEC West, yet they're ranked number one in the country right now. And, you know, the other side of that argument is, well, you know, percentage, I think they've got 15, you know, either fourth or fifth-year senior starters. Um, you know, there's just – I think this has been probably one of the most interesting and, and intriguing college football seasons um, that I've seen and, you know, I, I mean, obviously, I didn't keep up with it when I was playing, but you know, in the last twenty years, certainly, um, there's just you know a lot of things that are changing in the game, um, you know, both offensively and defensively. Um, you know, obviously, I think you know everybody's kind of touched on this. You know, I think Alabama's probably suffering a little bit for you know at least two overrated recruiting classes in 2010 and 2011. Um, you know, and, and I wish one of the reporters, um, you know, would ask, you know, Nick, this question. You know, how, how did you go from signing A.J. McCarron in 2009 to not signing a, another legitimate quarterback? You know, how did you go from uh, Chance Warmack and Eric Jones and, and D.J. Fluker two years ago to this year your best offensive lineman is a true freshman? And, and really the one that, that – is, is you know more obvious to me than any of them. How did you go from Rolando McClain, Donta Hightower, and C.J. Mosley to the two starting inside linebackers that you've got now? And, you know, I think Raglan and DePriest both do a, a good job of, you know, being between the tackles run stuffers. But I'm not sure if one of those, one or both of them, could cover me in coverage. Well, and William, I, I guess I got a couple questions. My first one, kind of, is uh, piggybacking on that. Are you surprised so far, as far as inside backer, that uh, that Dylan Lee hasn't seen more reps? Because I would think he would be a better coverage guy than uh, than especially Reggie Ragland. You saw Reggie get a, 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 a pass interference penalty against Arkansas. Reggie played a pretty good football game, I thought. But I would think against the, with a nickel and the dime, Dylan Lee would get more reps. He started at Sam for Duvall uh, this past Saturday because of the injury situation and being in regular defense. But I've been surprised Lee has not played more. Well, you know what, Drew? I was surprised until I watched Dylan Lee play Saturday night and he looked lost to me. Um, okay. You know, the, 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 the two big things that I've, I've taken away from that Arkansas game, and I put this up on the forum. I don't know if you saw it or not. Um, if you haven't, you, you've got to check this out. Um, there's there's a play in the third quarter at the 120 mark where Ryan Anderson actually sacks um, Brandon Allen, and you know quarterbacks are are coached and and prepped on a count. You know every day in practice in the college and pro level, there's an equipment manager standing there when they take their when they take the ball from the center, either under center or in the snap gun. There's somebody in their ear going 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. And somewhere between 2.5 and 1,003, they're coached. You better get rid of the ball or you're fixing to get ear And that that's why it makes 
uh, you know, it's such a difficult job to evaluate and, and recruit edge rushers because that's, you know, that they've got to cover a seven-yard span of space in that amount of time at times to affect the quarterback. Um, Dylan, I mean Dylan Lee, Reggie, uh, Ryan Anderson and Tim Williams basically get to Brandon Allen, at least on my count, at 1,002. They get there at the same time. You know, Williams kind of stumbles and trips, and if he hadn't have stumbled and tripped, he probably would have beat Ryan there and gotten the sack, but he stumbled and tripped, and, and Ryan was able to clean it up and put Allen down. But, you know, that's about as sporty as it gets. You know, if you've got edge rushers that can get to the quarterback in a 1,002 count, and just so you'll know, there are offensive line coaches right now in college football that give their offensive linemen pluses on plays and pass protection if they pass pro their defensive ends to a three count. So that, to me, was, was a very encouraging thing that I saw out of the Arkansas game was, you know, and I would throw Xavier Dixon, you know, in there as well. He, he's had a very, you know, albeit kind of a quiet, but a very good year so far at rushing the passer. Uh, but there's no doubt in my mind that right now, based on what I've seen, that Dixon, Anderson, and Williams are the three best pass rushers on the team. Oh, I agree 100%. And my other question was, and I wrote this today in my report, but I just feel like, and I even and I even uh, put a video uh, uh, a, a video cut up of, of, of against Arkansas in 2012, but I just feel like offensively they need to put the zone read and the read option in as a kind of a bread and butter part to take advantage of uh, Blake's mobility. And I've just been surprised they haven't done it. They only really ran it once against Arkansas that I can remember. But I just wanted to get your thoughts. I think it would also help the offensive line. But what what are your thoughts on uh, them incorporating more option into the offense? I mean, Drew, that was one of the the most uh, uplifting and optimistic um, things to me about Blake winning the the starting quarterback job is, I mean, you can ask the the same group of people that I, I watch most Alabama games with, you know, in 2012, the highlight of the game for me was watching the Blake and Drake show in blowouts in the fourth quarter with them running the zone read. I mean, it, it, they're both, you know, obviously Drake's been taken out of the equation, you know, with his injury. But, you know, Blake is good at it. You know, that that's who he is. Now, that's the kind of quarterback that he is. Um, exactly. You know, Saturday, Saturday night, to me, looked like a repeat performance of the A-Day game where they, they asked or I don't know whether they asked or they forced or coached him to stay in the pocket and try and pretend to be something that he's not. You know, that's why his A-Day performance was so bad was they okay. asked him pocket quarterback, and that's just not who he is. Um, you know, let the young man use his feet and, and make people miss and – you know, he, to me, he throws the ball better when he's moving um, than he is stationary in the pocket. Yeah, he um, threw both his touchdowns on improv on improvising play. Oh man, that that improvis- improvisation that he had on that touchdown pass to T.J. Yeldon—that's what Blake Sims does best, and that's who he could be. I, I said it this summer that he doesn't have quite the same arm. 
and he's probably a half a step slower, you know, he's not far off of being, you know, a Nick Marshall-type quarterback. William, I always like to get your uh, thoughts on the offensive line. And I said before you came on that it appeared to me that Cam Robinson was really the only guy that had a solid game. I noticed that uh, Eli and them gave uh, Bradley Bozen one of the player of the games on the on the radio broadcast, and I guess because he cut down some mistakes. But uh, when you have a, a go up against a team that, that you know is geared to stopping the run and you only get 66 yards, uh, it ha- it has to be disturbing at one level, but at the other level, I wanted to get your take on how the offensive line performed as a unit and individually this past week. Um, you know, Kerry, to be honest with you, even though I've heaped, you know, a ton of praise on, on Cam Rob all year, I thought it was his worst performance. Now, when I say that, his worst performance versus Arkansas was still better than the rest of the offensive lines, in my opinion. Um, that was easily the worst game that I've seen Austin Shepard have. Um, I do think that Bradley Bozeman um, did okay and held up in his first start. He didn't do anything to impact the game from a negative standpoint. Um, and, you know, it might not even be fair to give him, you know, that average of a grade with the debacle that was going on to his right between Leon Brown and, and Alphonse Taylor. Um, you know, I had one of my best friends, you know, walk out of my house halfway through the third quarter because he got mad at me for giving Darius Phelan a standing ovation every time he made a play on one of our offensive linemen. But I'm not your average Alabama fan either. Um, but, you know, I, I, I did not think it was – a very good performance by the offensive line. Um, you know, I've had to force myself when, when I am watching the replay to stop it uh, before a fifth-year senior in Ari Kwanjo jumps off sides when you're trying to run the clock out. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of, I guess, blame and finger-pointing, carry that you could do with, all the things that at least right now appear to be wrong with the offense. You know, there's plays there's plays in that Arkansas game where the offensive line has holes open and the running backs don't hit the hole. Um, you know, there's plays in that game where, um, you know, Blake Sims makes a good throw and the receivers have run lazy routes. Um, you know, there's plays where they're open and Blake two or three hops the ball to them. You know, it, it's just, you know, to me, um, totally fair and honest, you know, the only positives that I saw in that game uh, were J.K. Scott and, and the way the front seven shut the running game down. Outside of that, everybody else gets a minus. It seems to me, William, that, um, and, and maybe this is just the fan part of me talking, but it seems to me that we have two different offenses. Uh, one that plays on the road and one that comes home and just tears it up? Um, I think that's a fair assessment. And, you know, I I think the thing to me, um, you know, obviously with, you know, Vegas setting this line at, you know, between, you know, a touchdown and a field goal and a a two-touchdown um, point spread tells me that they think that, that this is not going to be a close game. But what, what I'm looking at is this. Um, on offense, 
think have fallen asleep on, you know, Texas A&M. They, they've got two first-round draft picks on their offensive line. Now, why they have struggled in some of these games and not performed, um, I don't know enough about their program to, to speculate on that. But to me, the, the two keys in this game, and I think you'll see it pretty early because you saw it, you know, versus Ole Miss and, and uh, Arkansas, is, you know, if, if Alabama can generate the same kind of pass rush that, that I saw in that film clip I was talking to you all about with Anderson and Tim Williams and can force, you know, Kenny Hill not to sit back there and be comfortable, then, then I think that, that two-touchdown point spread is probably legit. But if they can't do that consistently, um, you know, that secondary has had a hard time you know, we, we couldn't cover, uh, you know, Hunter Henry and, and that converted quarterback, Darby, Derby, whatever his name was, for Arkansas. You know, if the pass rush can't affect Kenny Hill, um, you know, what's Speedy Noel and Ricky Sills-Jones going to do to that back, that back part of the defense? And, and on the other side of the ball, I have no doubt in my mind that they're going to stack the box with, you know, seven guys and say, guess what, if you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us through the air with man coverage. And, you know, I don't know if, if A&M has the horses in their front seven, um, you know, to, to slow the running game down. You know, if Ryan Kelly was available and if the right guard position was more solidified, I would probably lean more to saying, you know what, and tell them what plays fixing to come at them and they can't stop it. But, you know, one, one thing I think to watch for early in this game is, is freshman defensive end for Texas A&M carry, Miles Garrett, absolutely humiliated Cam Robinson over and over again at the Under Armour um, practices last January. You know, now obviously Cameron Robinson's a different player than he was um, last January. You know, as well. I mean, I think he's coming into this game with eight sacks. So I think that's something to watch out for. You know, he's a little bit more physically advanced than, say, a Rashawn Evans, you know, who's 6'3, 225. Miles Garrett's 6'5, 250. So I think that that Miles Garrett Cameron Robinson matchup, um, you know, both, you know, in, in running plays and in pass protection is something to really keep an eye on early on in that game. And and William, I, I I've got to ask this. I mean, I know the special teams has been a wreck. Everybody knows that. But uh, what do you? I mean, you can't read the coaches' minds. But what do you expect them to try to do? I I would I, I obviously they're going to keep Christian Jones for the time being back on kickoff return. Uh, the the mystifying drop by Cyrus Jones was unreal, and he had done a pretty good job up to that point. Uh, what do, what are your thoughts on what they're gonna, what they're going to do at punt return because they've got to get some more out of that area because there's too many good athletes on the football team uh, to be struggling and averaging I think about five yards he I think Christian's averaging five yards on the season or four point six uh, obviously Cyrus had a pretty good per average per return but uh, they've got to find a way to get punt return going to help with field position. You know I, I wish I could offer some more insight you know to that question Drew it's a you know, it, it's a it's a disturbing trend, and you know, if this was game one or game two, you know, that we were talking about all of the turnovers and the penalties and 
know, all that stuff, I think it would be a lot more easy to absorb and accept. But, you know, this has been going on for, you know, you know, a month, a little over a month now. Um, you know, the only facet of, and, and, you know, I don't think people really appreciate, um, I saw today where Sports Illustrated named, uh, well, there were three Alabama players that were named to their first team, you know, midseason All-American team. Uh, but, you know, for J.K. Scott to be the first-team punter, um, you know, I think that might even not even be enough accolades to, uh, you know, lay on his shoulders. I mean, that young man has ice water in his veins. You know, if you've ever gotten up close to him, you know, he's 6'4", and I swear he can't weigh more than 150 pounds with his football pads on. But, Lord have mercy, what a leg he's got and what a job he's come in and done, um, you know, for this football team. Everybody talks about, well, you know, they're the number three uh, overall defense in the country. And a big part of that is, is the field position and, and pinning, you know, offenses inside the 20 and, and flipping the field on teams that, that J.K. Scott has done. You know, the, the coverage team hasn't even had to do anything. You know, he's kicked the ball over so many returners' heads. You know, it's almost like the the, the coverage team on punts has been on vacation all season. Um, oh, I, I agree. It's been amazing. The, the rest of the equation with the special teams, Drew, um, you know, I heard y'all when I was on hold, you know, talking about Adam Griffin. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know enough about the, the mindset and the mentality of, of kickers um, to, to, you know, weigh in on that. Obviously, he's in, you know, some kind of slump. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a disturbing trend. And, you know, and I come from a, you know, a football team and a head coach that, you know, really didn't focus or care that much about – and this is when the game was different 20 years ago. But, you know, Coach Stallings really didn't care about offense. You know, he felt like his defense was good and he was going to see to it that, you know, he had a punter and a, and a place kicker um, that could keep him in, in all the ball games. And that was kind of his M up. Um, but I, I don't think, obviously, outside of J.K. Scott, um, I, I don't think that this defense, especially on the back end and pass coverage or these special teams, are good enough at this stage of the season to, you know, make that part of your strategy. Well, and my, the second part of my last question for you is, is I've been concerned, as I said in my piece today, that Landon Collins has been a lone wolf at safety. I've been kind of surprised Derek Williams hasn't been back in the lineup uh, as much. as he, I mean, he got back in late against Arkansas and did a good job, but I would expect him to be in the lineup against Texas A&M, but, uh, well, your thoughts on the safety position? Because really, uh, to be honest, Maurice Smith has shown flashes, but made mental errors. He made some against Arkansas. They need to find someone opposite of Landon Collins uh, to make some plays. Well, I, I like Jarek Williams a lot as a, a run support guy. You know, in the box. Um, you know, he's not the best coverage guy. Um, you know, back there in nickel and dime either pass coverage. I, I think he's better than Nick Perry. Um, but that's setting the bar kind of low. You know, I, I think one thing that really struck out, you know, stuck out to me versus Arkansas is, you know, when you look at, um, you know, Tony Brown started, you know, versus Florida, 
um, and, and uh, Ole Miss at corner. He's a guy that's six foot one, you know, somewhere between two oh five and two ten. Um, and you know, he got beat up a little bit against Ole Miss, and, and you know, he might have been playing against the second best wide receiver in the in the conference in Laquan Treadwell. But you know, if I was Nick Saban or Kirby Smart, I would at least give if you're going to start Eddie Jackson, um, you know, at the corner spot, I would at least give Tony Brown a look. Um, you know, at the free safety spot. You know, obviously Landon and, and Jarek are going to be your, you know, your strong guys, and and you know one of them, you know, uh, Jarek's going to be the the dime guy, um, you know, in the dime package. But you know, Tony Brown's a guy that that could do a good job covering, you know, your, your second or third wide receiver, you know, in, in spread sets and tight ends and backs out of the backfield in certain formations. Um, and I guess I'm guilty of always, you know, looking ahead to the next year. I, I started doing that, you know, after the West Virginia game. You know, the, the bigger question in all of this, regardless of how this season turns out, is, you know, who are the two starting safeties going to be in 2015? No doubt. All right, William, we're getting close to wrapping this up, but I'm going to ask you a three-part question, uh, but I'm going to pause at the end of each part of it because it only requires a very short, opinionated answer from you, and I ask it sort of tongue-in-cheek. Part one, worst mis-evaluation by the Alabama staff, Darius Filing on not letting him commit when he wanted to or not even offering to run Wilson. I'm going to say Darius Phelan because I'm convinced he could uh, help this defense, um, you know, as a guy that's big enough to play inside, you know, as a three technique, um, probably got enough, you know, get up and go to be a, a rusher at a five technique defensive end in Alabama's defense. Deronia Wilson certainly was a misevaluation, but, be sitting over there on the bench with Chris Black and Robert Foster if he'd come to Alabama. Part two, uh, when you look at J.K. Scott, do you see more Tank Williamson or Hayden Stockton? <laughs> um, man, those, those are those are three guys. Two of them have real comparable body types. Um, you know, J.K.'s, you know, J.K. reminds me of, of, of somebody that's able to hit their one iron off of in golf, um, you know he's so long and lanky, and, and I think that's where he generates his power um, is because he's got such a such long legs. But you know Tank and Tank and Hayden were um, you know apropos named with, with Tank's first name. Both of those guys were built like linebackers. Uh, maybe in another couple of years. Um, if he can bulk up a little bit, he might have more of the same body type of another great Alabama punter, both in college and in the NFL, Chris Moore. Chris Moore, absolutely. Chris Moore is the guy who reminds me most of of all the punters I've ever seen come through Tuscaloosa. Final yep. question, final part of this three-part question. Uh, again, in regard to a guy you played with, in regard to what you said earlier about Adam Griffith's mindset, and this is really tongue-in-cheek. You don't even have to answer if you want to. You can just laugh if you want to. But based on how it helped the guy you played with, Michael Proctor, should Adam Griffith pay a visit to the dorm room of Kurt Freetag? (laughs) 
I think Michael kind of had that uh, that that concept covered covered on his own. I don't necessarily think he needed any help from Free Tag. <laughs> oh, that's a great one, Kerry. I got to give you credit. That's it's medicinal, William. It's just medicinal. <laughs> Oh, well, that that is, that's all I've got, and uh, we've already held you for 35 minutes. I want to thank you again. Uh, your your insight is always welcome, uh, William, and uh, we we certainly appreciate you joining us here on BAMS and look forward to having you again in the next 30 days. Hey, thank you, guys. Enjoyed it as always. Thank you, man. Great job, William. That's, uh, William Redfish Barger, offensive lineman back in the 1990 to 1993 era for Alabama, all SEC as a freshman. Four-year letterman, good guy, knows the stuff. Next, uh, a man who was a manager for two national championship teams in 78 and 79, making his weekly phone call, calling Big C. McGuire from Greenville, Alabama. What's going on? Not much, Gary. Drew on the other, on your side there, big man. Yeah, absolutely. Good to to hear from you, uh, Big C. Thank you. What's going on, um, Sort of a rough weekend, but we pulled it off. And uh, I thought the defense run defense uh, proved its medal. They were ranked number three in the country and stopped the number seven ranked team in the rush and rushing offense. It was averaging over 300 yards a game and holding them to 89. It's something that a lot of fans need to look at. What do you? What is y'all's assessment of Saturday's game? Well, you know, the, I feel like I was watching the Stallings game. Yeah, I agree with Kerry, and they've. They've got to, you know, tweak the offense some. They're going to have to let Blake Sims. They're going to have to play to his strength more. Uh, they've still got some things to clean up in the secondary, uh, Big C, no doubt about it. And they've got to get Adam Griffith out of his funk because, you know, he's got to be able to every now and then add three points. Uh, he got off to a very good start, 7-7, seven to seven, but he's one for five since then. Uh, missed a 30-yarder against Arkansas. They just got to get that cleaned up. Uh, you know, and, of course, punt returner. It was a disaster. They've got to find a way to get some something out of there. There's too many good athletes on the football team. If you know, if if Cyrus Jones and Christian can't, you know, turn it around, Chris Black or someone needs an opportunity because they've got to be able to get some field position and some big plays out of that position. And I think the athletes are on the team to do that. Um. Now, I tell you what, I'd like to find out an interesting stat when. When Ryan um, Kelly got hurt against Ole Miss, it seems like the offense after he got hurt gone more south than anything else. What's y'all's opinion of that question there? I, I think that's a fair statement. Bradley Bozeman kind of got thrown into the fire. He's learning uh, on, on the go. And fortunately, Kelly was out at practice today doing some things. They're not sure he'll play this Saturday, but they feel like for certain he'll play again versus Tennessee. Uh, Big C, we do have another uh, guest scheduled in about two minutes. Why don't you go ahead and Give us a little preview of this week's uh, talking Bama with Big C. All right, on Friday morning, you can go to jockjive.com uh, and go to uh, Talking Bama with Big C. We're going to be doing a recap of the Arkansas game, talking about Texas A and M, the matchups. Going to do the thing. What you need to do is listen to the history part because it's the first game they played. The end was in the 1942. Uh, Cotton Bowl, the first one they never outside the Rose Bowl. But you need to listen to what I was talking about that because from a statistical standpoint, Alabama should not have won the game, but they did. And that's all I'm going to say about it. And I also got a prediction on it. But anyway, uh, just go to Bama, 
thegotjob.com, Talking Bama with Big C, and like us on Facebook. Let all your friends know about it. And also, gradingcollegefootball.com website with the numbers on Alabama and all the other teams. And my numbers on the SEC West is almost similar to the power rankings I saw on the, on the Fire and Bama show on SEC uh, TV today. But anyway, Talking Bama with Big C on com. Like us on Facebook, and I'll be talking to you Friday, and y'all have a great night. Thank you, Big C. Roll Tide. Roll yeah, Tide. Roll tide. We've already got our uh, next guest ready to join us, the newest member of the Alabama basketball family. Uh, Drew, I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce our next guest. Absolutely. Uh, on BAM's radio tonight, we're honored to be joined by the newest member, as Kerry said, of Anthony Grant's basketball program at Alabama, uh, Theodore Guard. Dazon Ingram is our next guest on BAM's radio. Dazon, welcome to BAM. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you. And uh, I, I guess, first of all, just kind of tell our audience uh, uh, a little bit about yourself, kind of your height and weight, and uh, and just a little bit about yourself as a basketball player. Um, I'm a 6'5 point guard. I weigh 195 pounds. I'm like a, let's see, what should I call myself? Probably like a slasher because I can get to the goal. And, like, I'm very uh, an unselfish player. I set my teammates up, and I just like to win. Hey, Dazon, this is uh, Kerry Clark. I'm the other host on here. I was uh, one of the people on Twitter razzing the UAB fans and favored me a few times. CC Bam was my Twitter handle. <laughs> but, uh, again, welcome to the Alabama basketball family, the Alabama athletic family. Uh, I had seen a couple of different reports right after you committed about uh, when you plan to sign. Uh, are you planning to sign next month, or are you planning to wait for the late period? Um, I think I thought I, I thought about waiting, but I think I'm just going to go ahead and sign in November. And, oh, wow. and that that's that's good. I wanted to. I'm not trying to pin you down, but our fans are worried about it. <laughs> they want you to sign in November because they're so happy <laughs> to have you. And by you saying that, you, you just made about five or 6,000 people feel really good that are going to end up listening to the show. And we had it first. I mean, I, I have a feeling that's what you're going to say, but I wanted to hear it from you because I was even going to ask you, I understand, Dazon, you're going to try to be there Saturday for Hoops on the Quad. Is that right? Yes, sir. And uh, I, I think that you're going to see when you get down there how fired up people are about the way this program is slowly but surely starting to turn around. And So now that you have told us you're going to sign next month, the other two guys signing with you, uh, Dante Hall and, uh, and and Brandon Austin, uh, what do you know about those guys? I'm sure you, you've played – I think you played with both of them for the Alabama Challenge. Is that right? Yes, sir. I played with both of them. Tell us about their games. Uh, Brandon, he's he's from Carver. He's very athletic, and he can shoot the tray ball. And he's very quick. He can get to the goal, and he can finish over top of people. Uh, Dante, anything that's coming around the paint area, he's he's blocking it. He's so long, and he can he can run the court. He's a great big big man. And in days on, I was I was been reading a lot about you, and I haven't had a chance to see you live, but I know. You know, I was reading what your coach Philip Roebling and what had said about you, and 
he said you really took the next step as far as from your sophomore to your junior year as far as your improvement and blossomed as a player. What all was the key to that? What all did you work on uh, last last summer to, to take your game to the next level and to take your team to on the, the brink of the Final Four last year? Um, my cousin has this program in Kentucky that he does every year. He picks like a select few players. And we have a personal trainer, and they work with us. We wake up every morning at 5. We have to run at least five miles. And we just put put up a thousand shots a day. We go to the weight room. It was, it was it was constant for two weeks straight. And then I came back home a brand new player. And uh, and I know that it had to be a little heartbreaking. You guys came out of nowhere, kind of to go twenty five and four, and uh, you were you, you know you lost a blunt in a in a very good basketball game in the in the, in the Dothan in the regional finals. Uh, what is the mindset right now of you and your guys going into this season? Obviously, it's probably you want to uh, you want to finish kind of what you started. I would imagine. Uh, we going we go in with a mindset of that we don't want to come back to Mobile feeling like we did last year. We go in, work hard every day. The co- we have a brand new coach. He used to, he's a, uh, he used to play back in 2010. And he's a very great coach. He's like, he's like basically the head coach because our head coach listens to him. But like, I like him. He's a great guy. And uh, what's his name? Chris Nelson. He used to be a big time football recruit. That sounds familiar. Well, uh, Dazon, I wanted to ask you. Uh, I know Alabama got in on you a little bit late, uh, offering in July, but it, it sounds like one of the biggest factors in your final decision was your relationship with Coach Antoine Petway. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, Coach Petway, we have we talk every day. He tells me to work hard and stay humble, and that's what I've been doing. And I just feel like. I had the best relationship with him, and I like I like Coach Grant and the players are the best, so that's what my decision came down to. And another question for me, uh, I, I, I guess I didn't realize this until I started reading the tweets on your on your timeline, but uh, going back to CJ, and then now with Jamie Mosley, and now with Dazon Ingram, and then the other male and female students that come up there just to be students. Uh, should we start calling uh, Theodore the other T-Town? <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> and talking about Jamie, you know, he's redshirting this year uh, and, and playing basically on the scout team for the football team. There was a report, uh, and, I, and I know you and him stay close because y'all were basketball teammates. I, I've seen a report that Jamie might be fighting with a knee injury. Have you heard that? Uh, I'm not been aware of that. No problem. But uh, they said they didn't see him out on the field and that, that maybe he might be struggling with that as far as uh, the practice field. But uh, are, are you and Jamie Mosley pretty close? Yes, sir. We talk We talk every day just about. Go ahead, Drew. Yeah, and Jason, I just wanted to ask you, now you obviously took that next step, you know, from 
you were you were starting to become known, and then as a junior, that's kind of when you came on the scene and began to be re- recruited by you know uh, the big time Division One schools. But uh, just kind of talk about uh, your de- your decision making process, and the and the you, I know you you cut it down to you had several offers, you got it down to eight, and then four. Just kind of talk about the last few schools, and then why ultimately that you chose Alabama. And my family, when we went through a process, we took the four visits that was in my top four. And like me and my aunt, we liked, we liked Alabama. And then she, we went to Wichita after we left Alabama. And then she, she didn't like, she didn't like it as much as Alabama. But it's a great program that they have there at Wichita. And then I went to Houston, and they have a new coach, Coach Sampson. He's coming from mm-hmm. Oklahoma, and he's a really great guy. I had a talk with him the day before we left, and he had kind of convinced me. But in the end, like we just thought about it. We prayed about it, and I went to church. I got prayed for, and I just felt like Alabama was the best decision. And and now, obviously, you uh, you're going into your senior season. You guys have started practice. Uh, what I know, you, the old saying is, you know, you don't you know, you, you either get better or you get worse. What did you work on? What was your focus? Uh, in the in, in the off season, uh, as far as areas of your game that you really wanted to improve on, that you feel like that you're going to be much better uh, as a senior. I wanted, wanted to become a much much better shooter. Like I can go to the rim and finish, but like I just wanted to be like a knockdown shooter. So like if I go to the rim one time, then you don't know what I'm going to come with next because I can shoot and go to the goal. Jason, uh when we first started recruiting you uh, four or five months ago, I looked at some film and I told some people. And since then, people that know more about basketball than I do have agreed with me. A lot of people compare your game at this stage to another guy from your part of the world, uh, Mikhail Torrance, who played four years at Alabama. Is that is that a fair comparison? Um, I wouldn't say that because Mikhail is like better. He's like more physical, but like I'm gonna get there. <laughs> okay, well that's fair. That's fair. He got he got better at that every year he was there. And the other thing that he developed, which you've already started to improve on, is uh, you know when he when when Mikhail first got to Alabama, uh, I, I probably had a better jumper than him. I'm fifty something years old, but anyway, <laughs> he 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 got better at it every year, and. Um, and that, it seems like, that based on the interviews with you and your coach, it seems like that your outside game is, is, is getting better every year. Is that fair to say? Yes, sir. And uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you, when, when you made the decision, how, how much of a factor was it uh, kind of a two-parter? A, people from Mobile being able to see you play easier in Tuscaloosa, and B, the fact that you'd be playing in the SEC. Uh you can say A and B because the SEC conference is a great basketball conference. And for the A, I just 
want a whole bunch of fan support from where I'm from. So that's why I choose Alabama. And that makes perfect sense. And I mentioned this to you on Twitter, but I want to kind of uh, let you know who all you're talking to. The, the, the guy, Drew, that's asking questions, he's from Huntsville. Now, I'm Kerry. I'm living in Hoover, Birmingham. And then Thomas, the guy that got you on the phone, he lives in Mobile, and he is actually a graduate uh, of McGill. So we have assigned Thomas, now that you've committed and getting ready to sign, to go out when y'all play at McGill and do a little scouting report on us. So you actually might even get to meet him in person before you meet the other ones of us. Okay. Thomas, chime on in about how McGill and uh, Theodore like to mix it up. Uh, oh, well, w- when I was in high school, it was one of those things that was always back and forth. The irony that Kerry or Drew, you don't know, has actually managed the uh, basketball team and did stats for them as well. So nice. that, that's where I got my start with my sports and production stuff. So it's, it's going to be an interesting little homecoming for me when I come to Scout You Days On. The main thing, Days On, is we, we just want to welcome you to the Alabama athletic family and the basketball family. Uh, all three of us follow basketball pretty close, and uh, we can honestly say, and Drew will back me up on this, we've all been hoping all along that you would decide what you decided. Uh, obviously, there's nothing we can do to influence you, but I just want you to know how thrilled we are to have you part of the Alabama family. We're, we're almost as thrilled as Coach Grant and Coach Petway. I'm not going to lie to you. So just give us a roll tide, and we'll let you go, brother. Uh, Thank you, Dana. Appreciate it. Folks, that was Dazon Ingram from Theodore High School, the newest uh, recruit of uh, the Alabama basketball family. He was recruited by Coach Petway and Coach Grant. And he told us right here on Bama's Radio, you heard it here first because AL.com reported the other day uh, that he was going to sign in the late period in April. But uh, as we have just learned a few minutes ago, uh, Dazon Ingram will sign in November in the early period along with Dante Hall from Luverne and Brandon Austin of Carver Montgomery. So, Drew, I think it was worth having him on just to be able to break that. Oh, yeah, that was great. Uh, tr- tremendous. He, he did a lot. Justin Coleman did much of the same thing last year uh, when he first committed to Alabama. had talked about signing in April, but then signed along with, you know, Riley Norris and, uh, and Devin Mitchell. They all signed in the early period. So, you know, that was tremendous. Uh, it's going to be a great class. You know, Garrett uh, signed in the uh, – Jeff Garrett signed in the late period. I'm really optimistic about the class, Kerry. I think that class is going to be very good. Then you got Veradale. Hopefully he can get healthy to add his perimeter shooting. But then you add an athlete like Dazon, who I think his upside is tremendous. It says enough for me uh, that guys like uh, Greg Marshall and Kelvin Sampson were recruiting him as well. Uh, Kelvin Sampson, despite his issues – uh, with the NCAA, has built programs. I mean, the guy took Washington State to the big dance. Uh, so, he, you know, he's an excellent coach. He'd been in the NBA since uh, his falling out with Indiana. But uh, he, I would imagine he would get Houston back on the map. UAB, Coach Hass has done a nice job recruiting the state. But it was a big get for uh, Anthony Grant and a big feather in the cap for uh, Antoine Petway to get Dazon Ingram, who with Purifoy now at Hargrave Military Academy, I think Dazon has a very good chance with a great year to be uh, Mr. Basketball in the state of Alabama. Uh, the best pro- two prospects in the state are a junior and a sophomore, but Dazon is right up there with uh, right below those guys. Absolutely. And it's now the top of the hour. And why don't we go ahead and take a break for a few minutes, uh, pay a few bills, mention a few sponsors, and then we'll come back and uh, 
We'll talk about another sponsor, and we'll uh, talk back and forth a little bit, and then we'll be joined about 10 after uh, next hour by Drew Champlin of AL.com. But for now, you're listening to BAMS Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio family. Take Bama Sports Radio with you on the go and in your car with the free iPhone app. With cutting-edge features including live broadcasts, on-demand radio, play-pause buttons, and text connect, allowing you to text into shows giving True Tide fans an interactive sports radio experience like never before. Go to BamaSportsRadio.com or search Bama Sports Radio in the iPhone app store to get true 24-hour radio on Alabama sports anywhere in the world, only from Bama Sports Radio. Keep up with Bama Sports Radio off the air and on the move for the latest news and programming on all things Alabama. Follow us on Twitter at Bama Sports Radio and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bama Sports Radio. Bama Sports Radio, giving you all tied, all the time.
It is four minutes after the hour, and uh, I tell you what, uh, we don't get to break stories too often here on BAMS Radio, but uh, you heard it here first just about 10 or 15 minutes ago. Uh, Alabama basketball commitment Dazon Ingram of Theodore High School in Mobile County will sign early with Alabama despite reports on AL.com and other outlets uh, earlier this week uh, that he was probably going to sign late. He has reconsidered that, and he will sign at the same time as Dante Hall and Brandon Austin. So, uh, three of the top four players in the state now committed and going to sign early with Alabama, and the other guy who's committed to Auburn, Purifoy, is actually playing his senior year in Virginia. Uh, I'm Kerry Clark with Scout.com, one of your co-hosts here on Bama's Radio. Joined, as always, for hour number two by Drew Armand of Alabama Intel. And the two of, the two of us <laughs> were uh, posting away during that break on our various websites to make sure that our uh, paid subscribers knew that uh, Dazon had made that announcement here on Bama's and uh, – so we're back now, and Thomas, our producer, Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine, uh, he's back in Mobile. So we have the whole state covered now. We have Mobile, we have Huntsville, we have Birmingham, and we have Big C called in from uh, Greenville, which is close enough to Montgomery. So every area code has been represented tonight on BAMS Radio. We have covered the state, and uh, we would like you to join us uh, on this show because we've got uh, almost a whole hour left. Please call us on the Big Heads uh, Barbecue Hotline. That number is 714-510-3707. Again, 715-510-3707. And that uh, hotline is brought to you by Big Heads Barbecue, the official barbecue provider of BAMS Radio and our tailgating tent in front of Moore Hall. He'll be in business of Big Head Chuck, who provides our barbecue. Again, this Saturday in that tent, please come by, say hello, shake our hand, give us a roll tide and eat a little barbecue. Uh, You can uh, get more information by uh, going to uh, bigheadsbbq.net. That's bigheads with an S, bbq.net. You can email Chuck at that uh, at bigheadchuck at gmail.com. You can check him out on Twitter at bigheadsbbq. And they've also got a, a Facebook page. And I'm truly hoping he'll bring some more triple threats this week. That is a uh, piece of pork with a small piece of sausage in the middle wrapped in bacon and drizzled in uh, Big Head Chuck's homemade barbecue sauce. It doesn't get any better. He caters private parties. He caters events, church functions, school functions, whatever. Check him out at bigheadsbbq.net. And I want to welcome back in uh, Drew Armand. Uh, we've been uh, typing away. We uh, both missed our potty breaks during that break and our chance to grab a drink out of the fridge because we wanted our readers on Bama Mag and Alabama Intel to know that we broke a story. Yes, lowly Carrie and Drew broke a story with Dazon Ingram committing to sign early for Alabama. And, you know, there's a lot of salesmanship that goes into that. I'm sure Coach Petway and Coach Grant uh, had <laughs> talked to them about this before we did. But still, uh, it's, it's a good thing to know, Drew, before we move back to football, that three of the top four basketball players in the state, and really if you take into account, boy, his move to Virginia for his senior season of basketball, the top three players in the state, are all committed and signing early with Anthony Grant. That's a, that, that's pretty big. Yeah, it's big. And 
I think Dayton's got an extreme upside. Uh, he's very athletic. Uh, somebody had asked me on on Twitter earlier this week to compare Dayton, and I made the same comparison you did without even ever talking with you about it. And that's Mikael Torrance, who some people forget he was on Anthony Grant's first team <laughs> at Alabama, but uh, he was a he had a very good senior year. Was a very good guard in the SEC by the time. He uh, graduated, and I think Dazon is a little bit ahead of him skill-wise, but as Dazon said, he must get in the weight room and get stronger. But I really like his size, Kerry. I like his uh, potential, and I think he and Justin Coleman could be a a backcourt that could do some damage uh, along with Devin Mitchell. I think that Alabama is doing a great job recruiting on the perimeter. Now they've just got to add some size. Yeah, and you know, mentioning about that uh, getting stronger, uh, Coach Lou Deneen, who came in a year ago to work for Coach Grant as the basketball strength and conditioning coach, formerly of UAB, uh, or as we lovingly call him, Coach Ponytail. I'm sure he's got some uh, some programs ready for Jose on once he gets on campus, and he'll probably be on campus in June. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I'm sure you know he'll be on campus in June, and and uh, he's looking forward to that. And I'm and I and I'm looking forward to, uh, to for Thomas Watts to scout him and. Because, you know, I, being in Huntsville and you being in Hoover, we don't get a chance to get down there to see kids in South Alabama. But with Thomas down there, we should get an excellent scouting report and have some excellent coverage on our two sites of Dazon Ingram. And look forward to that and uh, just look forward to seeing him, uh, how if he can get his team to Birmingham carry. He came very, very close last year uh, to doing the, doing so, and they they kind of came out of nowhere. I, when I started hearing the buzz about him last year in the regionals when Coach Petway and Coach Grant went to watch him down there, and he, he put on a show and almost got his team uh, to the Final Four. And you you and I are basketball junkies. We always go down to the Final Four if possible. I did. I spent uh, two two days down there last year and wrote a story on some prospects I saw, but would have loved to have seen Dazon. Hope to get a chance to see him this year. Yeah, I've told him on Twitter I was hoping to see him at the BJCC, but just in case we were going to send Thomas to scout him early. And, you know, being, being a former uh, statistician in high school, I'm sure Thomas will go a little more in-depth than just points, rebounds, assists, blocks, and steals. He'll probably give us stuff like uh, how many times he got his hand on loose balls, how, you know, how, you know, how, many, you know, how many times he dug on the floor. I'm sure Thomas will have all that for us when uh, he gets a chance to see a full high school game. Um, and the interesting thing about it, uh, I, I didn't even know this until after I had scheduled our next guest, um, who's going to join us in a few minutes, uh, which is Drew Champlin of Alabama Intel. Drew Champlin, uh, who handles uh, both – he assists on the Alabama beat, but he also handles a lot of recruiting stuff, football and basketball. And, and Drew Champlin, who I said will join us quickly, uh, he has seen Dazon play uh, because right. uh, before he came back to Birmingham, Drew was a beat writer down in the Troy area and uh, for, for Troy University, but also you know he got to cover like regional tournaments and things like that. So he's – He's actually seen Dazon play, so that'll be good to get his take on that. And he also had a conversation last night, uh, I'm speaking to Drew Champlin, with uh, Alabama wide receiver recruit Lawrence Cager, which I was not aware of for just a few minutes when he texted me. So uh, we, we should have an interesting conversation with, with him. But if you missed our first hour, we heard from uh, William Redfish Barger of AlabamaIntel.com who gave us his uh, opinion on what's going on with Alabama football overall and specifically in Fayetteville, and Drew and I, both chimed in with our opinions on what went on in Fayetteville. Drew, one thing I didn't say, I hinted at it offensively, but I didn't say overall. 
I think this Alabama football team plays more complete games, uh, at least using Florida as an example, at Bryant-Denny than they do on the road. So you, you kind of look at the schedule and you say, okay, the toughest games Alabama has left are all at home, and that's got to be considered a blessing. Uh, it really does, and the schedule sets up well. If Alabama can get you know, their act together and clean up you know, the mental errors and the mistakes, the penalties and the mental errors and the special teams um, snafus are the most uh, disturbing part because, you know, if Alabama had been had played a clean game against Arkansas, I think they win the game comfortably. But that's two weeks in a row on the road. They didn't play clean. Uh, Coach Saban's been very encouraged by practice this week, Kerry, but they need to play a clean game against Texas A&M. If they do so, I think they'll win the football game. I think A&M's kind of been exposed a little bit. I think they're talented but I think they have a lot of issues defensively, and I think if Alabama can get some pressure, some pressure pardon me, on Kenny Hill, they can force him into mistakes. Uh, I think it'd be uh, they are um, a better offensive team than Florida, no question about it, but I don't think A&M, no disrespect to them, but I don't even think they're in Florida's class defensively. No, they probably miss 10 or 15 arm tackles a game. You're exactly right. Uh, when, I, when the season began, I said Alabama would lose to either Ole Miss or A&M. Uh, at that time, I had no idea state would be as good as they are. But state's coming to Bryant Dean. I just, I, I, I you know, <laughs> and of course, Auburn got exposed a little bit this past weekend on the road. They're not the same team on the road, just like Alabama's not the same team on the road. Most people are not the same team on the road, and I, I think Alabama's going to win out at Bryant Denny. Uh, some of them may be closer than we like, and, and the, the road games such as such as Tennessee. Uh, you know, Tennessee is a team in, in, in transition. They're not there yet. They're not ready to win a game like this. And then LSU. Uh, LSU <laughs> LSU pulled one out of their rear end Saturday night, Drew. Yeah, they really did. It was. It's, uh, you, I will say this about Will Muschamp, Kerry. He can't catch a break. I mean, you know, they, they really should have won that football game, uh, dropped a touchdown pass, made a myriad of mistakes. And then LSU's kicker comes out of nowhere to, I think, what was it, 52 yards? I mean, just unbelievable. And they throw an interception as they're driving, as they're near field goal range uh, in regulation, trying to win the game. They throw a pick, and then just as I said, LSU runs a couple of plays, and as you saw, 52-yard field goal. It kind of reminded me of a more high-scoring version of the end of the Alabama-Tennessee game in 1990. Yeah, that's fair, yeah. Uh they, but basically, you made the point. Florida found a way to lose that ball game. Right. But you know, William, we didn't we didn't gig William on this, but uh, William had been talking earlier in the year that actually this was at a time we heard William speak up in Huntsville. But I think it's fair to say Leonard Fournette had his breakout game. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And uh, you know, it's just it, he he had 140 yards and a couple of touchdowns. They're just going to continue to get better, and they're still going to. It's not going to be an easy trip to Red Stick for Alabama. They, they're going to be a better football team then. I still think they have a lot of issues defensively, but uh, Leonard Fournette's a big-time talent, and it didn't surprise me that he he had a breakout game. Yep, and, you know, you almost find yourself as a, as a fan pulling for LSU in those kind of games when they're not playing Alabama. I need to be clear about that. Because you just know that the post game with less is going to be gold. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, and it was. It was gold. I, I, mean, I love that guy, Drew. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't <laughs> pull for me to tell that, but I, I. I could just sit there and watch interviews with Les Miles probably longer than I should. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I just. Uh, 
I, it was it, it's never boring to watch him on the west side and Steve Spurrier on the east. Uh, that's all I'll say, uh, especially if South Carolina did not play well in, in a victory or, of course, lost the football game. Uh, it can be some classic television. And Les Miles, all I'll say about Les Miles, Kerry, is I've never seen anybody like him. He is completely unique. And I really hope he does not go to Michigan. Yeah. I just uh, I think so. I hope he doesn't either in a way. I think he's good for the league. He keeps everybody, you know, on their toes. And he's done a good job uh, sustaining LSU's program. And, Kerry, I think uh, we've got the next guest on hold. And I'll let you introduce him because uh, he's someone you're very familiar with. Yes, it's our pleasure to uh, welcome Drew Champlin of AL.com to join Drew DeArmond and myself, Kerry Clark, here on this next segment of uh, BAMS Radio. Uh, I gave a little background on Drew earlier. He uh, has spent some time uh, with uh, Bama Online as beat writer. He has spent some time covering Detroit University beat for the paper down there. And now he's back in Birmingham working for AL.com where he assists on the Alabama beat. And he also covers recruiting. And there are a lot of topics that we've talked about tonight that Drew Champlin is going to be able to chime in on and chime in on intelligently. Uh, Drew Champlin, welcome to BAMS Radio. Hey, guys, thanks for having me on. Glad no, no to have problem. you. And we'll, uh, we'll start out with Glad something we were able to break through, uh, and you may have seen it on Twitter, but uh, we asked point blank. We asked Azan Ingram when he planned to sign, and despite uh, what he told John Talty earlier in the week, he has now changed his mind, and he is going to sign with Alabama next month. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. I kind of I kind of figured that was probably going to happen uh I don't know if the coaches would have forced his hand or not. I don't know exactly what he told you, but that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, I saw Dazon play actually this February, February of this year. Um, you know, I covered I, when I first got here in Birmingham. I started covering UAB in fall of 2012, and you know, they asked me to help cover the regional tournament down in Dothan, which is where I lived for about seven years. And saw Dazon play for Theodore at that time. The only offer he had was UAB, and he's picked up a bit of interest since then as well you know Alabama actually the game I was at uh Anthony Grant and Antoine Pedway came down to see it was a regional semifinal game against I believe it was Dothan so uh you know he he put on a pretty good show you know he was kind of one of those men against boys type performances um you know just just really good really fluid out there he's a bigger point guard and uh you know I think he's got a chance to be a pretty good player in the SEC yeah, and, and Drew, uh, this is Drew DeArmond. It's great to have you on, man. I've always admired your work. I, my, I first remember your byline in Bama Magazine, but uh, I just I wanted to, you know, ask you about what you what kind of player do you think Dazon is? Because obviously you've seen him live. None of us have. You got you kind of got to discover him as well. Uh, what kind of player is Alabama getting? Yeah, we're we're flashing back a long way there, Drew. I appreciate it. Uh, that was back in college days, about you know, about ten, twelve years ago. But yeah, he's a uh, you know, I know the the Mikhail Torrance comparison has been made uh, because he's tall. You know, he's what six four, six five, and he's I believe he's left handed from what I remember, and it's a pretty good comparison. Um, you know, from what I remember in that game, you know, just a tall point guard, great control. He's pretty smooth out there. He's not one. He's he's not a guy that seemed to really rush anything. Uh, seemed like he had the game under control, and you know, the fact that he is tall, he, he can. You know, he has pretty good vision on the court. And, you know, from what I remember, he, he was a guy that he'd get the ball and he'd just take it down and get to about the free throw line. And, you know, he'd 
obviously could drive and scoop and score, but he was one of those where he gets to the free throw line, he could, you know, defense comes to him, he could dump it off to a guy down low, or he could just pull up and hit that, uh, and, and hit that short jumper. You know, I, I don't remember much about his, his long range shooting abilities. I just, I have to have to go back and check the box score from that game. I don't remember him three, but you know, shooting is something you can get better at, I believe. And, uh, Heard pretty good reports about his uh, about his shooting, you know, since that game. Well, Drew, uh, you let me know that you had a conversation, uh, I guess, last night with uh, one of the recruits for Alabama at the wide receiver uh, position. What were you able to glean from your talk with Lawrence Cager? Yeah, I talked to him tonight. I'm going to put something up online, uh, you know, tomorrow morning. And, you know, I don't, don't really want to go into a whole bunch of detail, but, you know, it's not a huge scoop or anything. Uh or not not a scoop or anything. Just talked about Alabama and his favorites and all that. And uh, you know he's he's big on Notre Dame. Just got offered by Notre Dame and uh, Ohio State's up there. And uh, but yeah, he's you know he talks to the Alabama coaches a pretty good bit. So just want to go into that relationship and you know just the relationship he's got with uh, with Minka Fitzpatrick, who is also an Alabama commitment from up. In that part of the country, you know, Lawrence is up in New Jersey, New Jersey, I think, as well, and or Maryland. I'd, I'd have to really double check that, but yeah, he's uh, Alabama's pretty high on him, and uh, you know, I'll have to go back and look, look at my notes, my tape again, and see, and then uh, put something up. But yeah, Alabama's certainly going after him. Yeah, and, and Drew, I know this is going to be a big weekend for Alabama as far as prospects coming in for the Texas A&M game. Uh, Obviously, uh, you guys are going to be monitoring that, as, as as are we, as far as who's going to come this weekend. But uh, any names are, that you're hearing early, uh, besides the well-known ones like Blake Barnett and a lot of the commits, but uh, any any names of interest uh, coming this weekend to visit Tuscaloosa? Yeah, you know, uh, and you guys probably know this as well, but, you know, the, the big five-star defensive ends, uh, Byron Coward and uh, CeCe Jefferson from Florida, are both supposed to make official visits. Uh, haven't really heard a whole lot of other names pop up other than, you know, there's probably going to be a good bit of state commitments or, you know, state in-state prospects as well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there will be a lot of 2016 names. I'm, I don't think it'll be as big as the uh, Florida game, but, you know, it could be. Uh, but, yeah, you know, Adonis Thomas, when I talked to his coach about a month ago or so, he said he was thinking about coming to this game. You know, we'll have to see if anything's changed since then. I know he's wanted to come to a game before at Tuscaloosa and couldn't make it. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I'm sure there's going to be some names there that weren't talked about before leading up, and then all of a sudden they show up. Uh, Drew, probably my most uh, famous statement on BAM's radio in the last few months has been that Alabama needs to figure out a way to get Malik Jefferson and C.C. Jefferson without involving Thomas Jefferson. But anyway, uh, moving on, you have had a chance to see a lot of good football players in the last couple of years, many or even maybe most of which were being recruited by Alabama. Uh, from a perspective of the high school coverage you've done this year, who's been the best player you've seen? Any class? Uh, in, talking about Alabama high school? Yeah. Oh, probably. I mean, I've only been to about three games, I think. And uh, uh, Deron Payne, I saw him at Shades Valley. And, uh, you know, he's obviously a pretty good player. I'd say him and Keith Mixon and – Really haven't seen a whole lot of a, uh, you know, I saw Denzel Mitchell, the junior running back at Hamilton, and, uh, you know, uh, trying to think of there's, I know there's another game I've been to, but Payne's the big shot that I saw. So, uh, 
you know, I did see Anthony Jennings of Dadeville when they played at Chillersburg. So that was, um, you know, th- those are really the only names I could give you. But, uh, you know, that's just because that's the only ones I've seen this year. So, uh, you know, I'd, I'd say Payne, but they didn't play a very big opponent. So, uh, um, so yeah, Payne will probably have to be the, big, the biggest one. What was your well, impression of Jennings? Jennings, they didn't run a whole lot his way from what I can remember. Uh you know, they just he would line up on one one end and then Childersburg would check off and run to the other end. He was he was you know, around the ball as much as he could, but had did have a couple of tackles for loss that I can remember, but not a whole bunch of uh uh didn't get a whole lot of tackles just because they didn't run his way. But you know, he looks so far, he's a good looking kid and uh you know, we'll see what happens with when when he when he makes it to campus. Yeah, and Drew, I was I was I got a chance to see only briefly. I'm sure as you heard, uh, Clay Chalkville and Shades. The game was rained out or due to lightning on Friday. I was in attendance until they called for the delay uh, and postponed it. But I got a chance to see Keith Mixon and Payne warm up. Payne looks like he's dropped weight uh, since I saw him at the Spain Park Combine this spring. But I wanted to get your thoughts. Yeah, since you've seen them, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of uh, talk about Keith Mixon and being Mr. Football and. Uh, whether or not Alabama or Auburn would offer him. I, I personally think Alabama should, but I guess I wanted to get your thoughts. We've heard a lot of good things about Mixon. What are your thoughts on uh, the, the, the the senior from the Shades Valley? Yeah, you know, the game that I was at, he didn't you know, didn't get very many touches. It was They were playing Woodlawn, so it was a game that was out of hand pretty early. So right. he may think he had a couple of touchdowns. You know, the, the quarterback was the one that had the bigger game. You know, I think he was – like eight of eight for about 200 yards and just one half of action. But I think this was just kind of a game to let him get a few warm-up touches almost, just keep him fresh. Uh, didn't really have to count him to make some big plays. But, uh, you know, he, he he looks good out there. You, you wonder if he – I mean, I don't remember. I wasn't covering Alabama recruiting this heavily or at all back in 2009 or 2010 when, you know, it, it, maybe I could ask you guys if he's similar to Christian Jones and Minor. But – uh that kind of, you know, the, the fanfare kind of seems about the same, you know, kind of a smaller guy. Uh, I don't think he's as big as Christian, but I could be wrong. But, you know, he looks the party. He's, he's the kind of guy that you see if he ends up at Mississippi State that, heck, you know, some of those guys go there and they have, you know, pretty good careers because they develop into something to where, you know, the Alabamas and the Auburns already have too many guys or, or don't think that they're big enough, but maybe they develop into something pretty special over there. So, uh, you know, I think he's fast. I think he's – think he's got a chance to be a pretty good college player wherever he ends up. I don't know about Mr. Football. I'd have to check numbers, but, uh, uh, but you know, um, I think he's got a chance to be a pretty good player. The guy that I would compare him to, Drew, that Alabama recruited back in that day would be Marquise Mays. They're about the same that size, same speed. Probably a better one. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, well, I wanted to ask you, do you feel like, uh, based on the, you know, the feel you get when you cover Alabama recruiting, this is this is kind of a two-part question, but it, it's about two different players, but the same situation. Do you feel like Alabama would find a spot for Keith Mixon if another wide receiver gets away or they don't get him? And do you feel like Alabama would find a spot for Darrell Williams at Hoover if, say, they don't get Adonis Thomas? Uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm trying to think of the receivers. You know, they've got uh, Calvin Ridley and, and they've got Dalen Charlock committed and uh, – you know, I'm sure there's another spot that they want to fill it with the receivers, and they're looking at guys like Lawrence Cager and uh, even Terry Godwin's been to a couple of Alabama games. I, I kind of think he's just – he might just be 
a guy who likes to go to big college football games, and he may probably just going to end up with Georgia. But I do think they're hunting another receiver, and I think if Charlotte flips to LSU, you know, that, that could be a guy that they – they uh, they offer Nixon after that, and it kind of seems like if he gets an Alabama offer, he's going to jump on it right away, kind of like Keith Holcomb did last year. So, um, but yeah, I think Daryl Williams is probably a guy they'll take regardless. Maybe uh, even if they do get Adonis Thomas, I think they're pretty high on him, and uh, you know they do need a couple more linebackers, I think, in this class. Um, so I, I certainly think I think those two guys, if, if they want them, I, I think. Well, I don't want to say if they want them, they'll get them automatically. I think that's the case with Nixon if the if they want him. And then Daryl Williams is probably a guy that maybe he likes Alabama a lot. Maybe his mother likes, you know, Gus Malzahn and Auburn a lot. And I think Daryl probably feels pretty good about Auburn as well. But that's, it's going to be one to watch. You know, it's going to be something to where, I mean, maybe he probably does take an official visit in December or January, but it's going to be something to watch for sure. Yeah, no doubt, Drew. And uh, I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on another prospect that I've seen live, and uh, I'm, uh, I, I didn't know if you'd been able to – if you hadn't seen him, I'm sure you've watched a lot of film. I'm very high on Keaton Anderson. Uh, I think, you know, we, I talked to John Garcia about him last night of scout.com, and he's he's moved him into the top ten prospects in the state based upon how he's played as a senior. Uh, he, he was able to play – had a very good football game against Shades Valley and Keith Nixon in the season opener in August. But uh, what are your thoughts on Keaton Anderson as a player and what you've seen? Yeah, you know, I've seen him on TV. They played Coleman in a Thursday night game uh, a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a guy that's always around with football. And I actually went up to Florence in, I think it was June or July, and did the we, what we have as our A-list, which we ranked the top 15 prospects in the state preseason. And then we we're, we're, what we want to do is re-rank him about every month or so during the season. And Keaton's a guy that's moving up. You know, we had him at 15, and uh, uh, he, he – made a move up in the last time we re-ranked him in mid-September, and I think I'm sure we'll have another one where, you know, I think he'll move up again. Uh, can't exactly say for sure where, but, uh, you know, he's he's a good player, I think. I'm impressed with him, and I think he's kind of got that it factor as far as, you know, what you're getting is a great kid. Uh, he's very respectful, very, uh, you know, parents raised him right, and, uh, you know, he's a guy that's going to do everything right at Alabama. And, uh, you know, as far as what kind of impact he makes on the field, um, kind of that's up to him, you know. I know people have compared him to Vinny Sinceri, and, uh, you know, John Talty did an interview with him, and, and I think he kind of dispelled that notion a little bit and said, you know, they're, they're two different players. I'd have to go back and read it to go word for word. But, you know, John did an interview with him about a month ago. Uh, but, yeah, he's kind of one of those guys. He, he's rising up, you know, the recruiting boards. But, you know, I think a lot of, uh, you know, most evaluators – probably aren't going to look at him as heavily as they would maybe the uncommitted guys because Anderson, he's been solid Alabama since uh, since May, and then, you know, he could probably tell the coaches, hey, don't worry about me until signing day, and uh, and he'd still keep his commitment. They won't do that, but they'll, they'll obviously talk to him a lot. But uh, Good piece of the puzzle, good in-state kid for Alabama, and uh, hope to see him in person at some point. Yeah, I, there's no doubt about it. I was really impressed with his open field tackling ability uh, when I saw him against Bob Jones High School, and I watched a little bit of the film, a little bit I could see uh, against Shades Valley. But, I mean, as far as the the kids that are uh, uncommitted, uh, uh, who are the some of the kids that you think uh, that you like a lot that you've seen? I know you you guys at AL.com have just did a recent piece about the top uncommitted prospects, but who are some of the guys that you really like that uh, right now have not made their verbal commitment? 
Uh, well, you know, Darren Payne obviously is is one that you know everybody talks about because he's a five star kid, and seems like a lot of the rest of the players in the top ten or fifteen are committed somewhere. Um, you know, kind of a sleeper prospect I like is, and I've only seen film on him is Jamarius Henderson at Dale County. You know, he's yeah, really he's been tearing uh, Yeah, he, he had a big year last year too, as well. Um, not really known or noticed as much because you know Dale County had not been very good the last several years until last year. I uh, didn't get a chance to see him before I moved away, but you know, just you know, he committed to UAB for a brief moment, and uh, right, he's a guy. Yeah, he's a guy that's going to be playing. You know, I don't, I don't know where, but he's going to be playing at a bigger, a bigger conference school. You know, than and he could end up at Louisville or Mississippi State or Kentucky or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, that that's the first thing that came comes to mind. I'm really interested to see where he's gonna where he's gonna end up. You know, I know. Big Daryl Williams out of Bessemer City. I haven't had a chance to see him, but you know he's got some SEC offers as well. I don't know if Alabama or Auburn have room for him at the moment, but it seems like Auburn's pushing for him. So, uh, yeah, those are those are two guys that just right off the top of my head come to my mind. Maybe I have to sit down and check a list to remember. But, uh, but yeah, those are two. Those are those are a couple guys right now that come to my mind. We had. Uh... An email, and I'm sure you got it too, from the Alabama High School Athletic Association, Ron Ingram. They've named the rosters for the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star Game, and uh, I took it to be a pretty good sign that Alabama had uh, six commitments named to the roster, and a couple other guys are still committing. Uh, could have up to maybe eight or nine future titers playing against the Magnolia State, Drew. Yeah, that's always going to be an interesting game, you know, because I think they. I have not seen the Mississippi roster, but I'm wondering if guys like Leo Lewis are on there. Uh, I know Mississippi State or Mississippi has got some talent this year, but uh, yeah, I know uh, we we put the roster out online, and I know um, you know we also wrote you know five guys who were left off, but yeah, you know uh, you know Desherry's Flowers is playing in the game, Brandon Kennedy, Lester Cotton. Anthony Jennings, Christian Bell, and Keaton Anderson. So that's gonna be another, you know we we're just talking about Anderson, another chance to see him up in person and um you know uh just looking at the list right now you know i, I think they're probably still looking at carry on johnson the auburn commitment and uh you know keith mixon's got a chance he's listed as a wide receiver in the game that's obviously where we all think his his position will be at the next level but uh yeah good bit of talent in this game it's going to be good to see you know the big names uh like the darren Payne and the lester cotton you know stand up for their state and play in this game yeah, and, and, Drew, and Drew, I know you've been down in you were down in South Alabama for a little while, so you may be familiar with the young man. I was just looking at the quarterbacks. Uh, I've seen the young man at I saw the uh, young man at uh, Mountain Brook, pardon me, uh, play the first week of the high school season. He's a pretty good high school quarterback, but I saw Tyler Cameron of Foley at the Mountain, or excuse me, at the Spain Bark Combine, and uh, he he impressed me the, as a thrower. Uh, not the biggest kid, but uh, he I talked to him a little bit. He's very respectful. Uh, <laughs> excuse me, have you seen Tyler Cameron, and what kind of quarterback is he? Yeah, I haven't seen Tyler. You know, I was actually in Dothan, which is southeast, and Foley's down there, you know, in the Bay and Mobile and all that. So don't really know a whole lot about him just because, you know, when I'm looking at the quarterbacks, I'm just thinking about who Alabama's recruiting and stuff like that. And, you know, when they got Barnett, I think that pretty much closed the book on the 2016 kids, even though I know Chad Kelly's visited unofficially for, uh, you know, out of East Mississippi Junior College. Don't know a whole lot about Tyler, but, you know, if he's in this game, then 
and he's probably got a chance to be playing uh, college football somewhere. I just, you know, I couldn't exactly tell you where. I wanted to ask you, uh, since you also cover Alabama, and we uh, we spent the better part of the first hour talking about Alabama football until we had Dazon on at the quarter till. Uh, where do you, Drew? You tell me, Drew Champlin. Does it seem like to you that there are two Alabama teams, the the uh, the Hyde team, I guess, that plays at home, the Jekyll team that plays on the road? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because you know they were pretty much, uh, gosh, flawless is far from the right word, but they were just against Florida, but they still put up way more than 600 yards and broke some records. You know, just had those key turnovers in some bad spots, and then they go to. Uh, but they executed pretty well in that game, except for the turnovers. And I think they probably had a pretty high number of penalties as well, but still put up a great, great deal of yardage. And then they go to Ole Miss and, you know, just only one offensive touchdown, which was pretty disappointing for them. And then Arkansas, that game didn't didn't play as well there. Even though I knew that was going to be a tough game and a close game just because Arkansas is getting better. But, um yeah, I mean that's it's kind of it's kind of hard to say, and, and I wonder, you know, Blake Sims did hurt his shoulder against Florida, and I wonder if there's any lingering effects there, if that's affecting him in any way. But uh, you know, that's that analogy will get a chance to you know show itself again on Saturday. You know, is Alabama a team that can bounce back and put up the offensive numbers that many thought they would and should against a Texas A&M defense that really isn't that great, or are they going to still kind of be in that regression? middle of the season mode but you know if you're gonna if you're gonna have games where you struggle you know it's better better now than than four or five games from now and uh you know there's still plenty of time to get things corrected well and and drew back to the recruiting aspect for alabama um obviously you cover now that you're covering alabama uh specifically you're covering they they recruit nationally so much and of course you talked to lawrence cager tonight uh, from Calvert Hall High School in, in Maryland, uh, and he's a six-five receiver. I know he he did a very good job at Alabama his last camp in July. But it's the, the out of the spots in the 2015 class are getting very tight. You know they have 21 commits, could lose a couple of those. But as far as the last remaining spots, everybody has their theories. But where do you see the class, or how do you see it finishing out for Alabama? Who are the guys to watch? Guys to watch. Um. You know, I think they're probably uh, kind of thinking position by position. I think they're probably done at quarterback and and other recruiting running backs. But you know, there's a I just don't see any of those high end guys like Damian Harris going to Alabama. You know, I think they're going to get another receiver uh, or or two. And this is all also during the, the possibility of a decommit or two or three, and uh, not not really knowing for sure who and. You know, maybe they signed 26 or 27. I'm not sure the exact number, but, uh, you know, they could add another tackle. Um, so you're looking at a receiver spot and a tackle spot. Maybe a tight end if they can either flip Jalen Harris or get uh, get McNeil out of, uh, I can't think of his first name, but Malik Jefferson's teammate out of uh, Poteet High School in Texas. Um, really think they're going to, you know, uh, get some more linebackers and defensive linemen, you know, guys like Payne and Adonis Thomas really prep pushing for him. And, uh, you know, if Will Muschamp gets fired, I, I think it's almost a you know, certainty that he'll, that Adonis will come to Alabama. I know LSU and Oregon are in the mix as well. But, you know, they're going after Kendall Sheffield, that five-star cornerback out of Texas as well. They got Tony Brown out of there last year. I think they're aiming that way again. So I could see them getting another cornerback, you know, maybe two linebackers, uh, couple guys on the D-line, 
you know, an offensive lineman and uh, a receiver, so that's seven. And uh, probably another wild card here and there. And then, you know, that's also factoring a D in a, in a few D commits. So I, I don't think uh, I think the drama in the in the recruiting class will probably resume itself once January rolls around and there's more official visits being taken. And Drew just got a couple more for you before we let you go. Uh, one football, one basketball, uh, both recruiting. I'll start with the football. Now that Kenyon Drake is uh, apparently going to be back next year in Tuscaloosa, which was not anticipated to be the case. Do you feel like Alabama will pretty much concede Javon Robinson, the junior college All-American, back to Auburn? Yeah, probably so. And if you know, if Bo Scarborough comes in as well, that which you know it's been reported that he has, and uh, um, I, I think they probably feel pretty good there. But I think with Drake coming back, uh, you know, I wondered myself before he got hurt whether he would be back or not because you know even though he's a third stringer, he's done some pretty good things with the ball when he doesn't fumble. But he, he showed the ability, I think. Uh, but, yeah, I think if he comes back, they'll move on to the next class and try to find a big-timer in, in 2016. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Javon Robinson. And I think it's – I've read that, you know, maybe – I don't know if Alabama's backed off or not, but he hasn't seemed to have had as much contact as he has previously. Final question before that you go, and this is about a 2016 basketball prospect that I didn't know anything about until he visited Alabama a couple weeks ago uh, for one of the football games. And I know you've been gone from Dothan a couple of years, and, and maybe you haven't heard about him yet, but have you heard anything or do you know anything about a six eight power forward who's just a junior this year at Dothan High uh, by the name of Kevin Morris? I've heard about him because um, I remember talking to some, I can't remember the coach or, or who, about this Theodore Dothan game I was at a couple, you know, the one that I saw Dazon play, and, you know, they mentioned uh, – they mentioned, yeah, I heard they've got a forward that's a sophomore. He would have been a sophomore last year. Don't really remember him in that game, but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of one of those guys that, hey, I have to know to look for a guy. I'm not really a big talent evaluator. So heard about him. Uh, if he's 6'8 and he's a junior, he's sure to be getting looks. And uh, really, actually, the only the only name I remember for Dothan is, is Tyson Williams, who is the son of former Auburn basketball player Franklin Williams. He's a sophomore this year, plays basketball yeah. and football. Is probably going to be – he may end up at Auburn where his dad was playing football or something, but he's going to be a prospect to watch in one of those sports, you know, coming up. I believe he is only a sophomore. Um, but, yeah, the, the kid you mentioned, if he's 6'8 and he's playing at a 6'8 level and producing pretty well, I think uh, I think he's going to get some looks, but I don't know a whole lot about him to give an informed opinion. Well, we'll have you on again uh, down the road. Just sometime between now and then, if you talk to anybody from Dope and ask him about Kevin Morris, because uh, he's apparently showing some, some pretty good interest in Alabama, and it seems to be mutual. Uh, but, listen, we want to thank you. I know you're a first-time guest, but you've been very informative, as I knew you would be. Uh, just this, in, in on behalf of Drew and Thomas both, we really appreciate you coming on tonight, Drew. Hey, absolutely. Appreciate you guys thinking of me. All right. That's uh, Drew Champlin of AL.com. covers uh, the Alabama beat as well as uh, the Alabama state of Alabama recruiting beat. Does a great job on both. And uh, we, he was a first-time guest on Bams, but I – I, I certainly think and hope we can have him again, Drew DeArmond. Uh, no doubt, Kerry. He's, uh, you know, I took him back to his college days, but he's been around the, the state a long time. I'm one of these guys that remembers, uh, you know, be, uh, bylines, and he's always done good work. He's a good reporter, and uh, we look forward to adding him to the uh, to the arsenal on Bams Radio of our regular rotation. No doubt. Yep, yep, and he, you know, we, we're building up pretty good rotation here. Uh, and I actually had 
text conversations last night with Murph Baldwin, and we're going to bring him back for both the state and the Auburn weeks because I think those are the two games that most deserve his expert analysis, Drew. And he even told me after I invited him that those are the two he wanted to do. So I guess we're all on the same page. I really, I'm really proud of this rotation of guests that we built on this show. No doubt. Our show is growing a lot. You know, we, we were able to have prospects on like Dazon Ingram, which is great. We broke some news tonight. And Murph Baldwin is, you know, peerless, is a, a, a breaking down film. And, and you know, i got to give him credit. And I know he had to be smiling. He's probably listening right now, smiling ear to ear. But he called it with Ole Miss. He said they were the real McCoy. I believe their defense was good, but it was even better than I thought. And they and he and they took a, a, a they just mud hole A and M and I'm sure that's what he had called for and they did so. Bo Wallace was very efficient, just didn't turn the ball over. And with the defense as good as theirs is, Kerry, if Bo Wallace doesn't make mistakes and they play clean, even with a limited running game at times, Ole Miss is going to be hard to handle because that defense is nasty. Look, I, I don't think either of us can give enough accolades to Ole Miss or Mississippi State for what they've accomplished so far. And I realize that there's some, uh, within the division, self-bludgeoning coming up. Right. This is, this is shaping up to be the mother of all egg bowls. I mean, it could be, Kerry. You know, who would have ever thought, you know, ever, ever, I'm going to say that, but who would have ever thought that it could be a battle of one and two in the Egg Bowl and you could have two unbeaten teams? I mean, that could easily happen. Mississippi State has stepped up big. To me, the more games Mississippi State wins, Dak is going to be at the top of the Heisman race despite the two picks against Auburn, a couple of mistakes. Uh, he still, you know, played a, a, a good football game. And, you know, and, and obviously – uh, Deronia Wilson has developed uh, into a stud for them already as a sophomore. We didn't really ask Drew Champlin about him, but Deronia is a guy that, I, I, you know, he was a big, tall, athletic guy, but he's just developed into a beast. i got to give Mississippi State's coaching staff credit for that. Uh, if Dan Mullen can get out of his own way and stop faking punts up three touchdowns, uh, they're going to be the real McCoy. And they got a chance to, to do some things that nobody thought Mississippi State had a chance to do as far as to get to the Final Four. But it's an amazing run already for State, Kerry, because they started the year unranked, and now they're number one in the country consensus. A couple of things I want to hit on real quickly, Drew, and uh, you can respond to any of this or all of this when I get done. Uh, I would like to give a, a couple of BAMS radio shout-outs to some other athletic teams at the University of Alabama. The volleyball team has started off 16-4, and 4-2 and two in the conference. They host Ole Miss Sunday. They're being coached by Ed Allen. They beat South Carolina this past Sunday. The soccer great team job. Is, that he has. The soccer team is showing some improvement, some pulse. They're eight four and two, but they're only one four and one in the league. They're hosting Arkansas Friday. Uh, they're playing exhibition softball games. Uh, that Tuscaloosa, the, the three weekends in a row, they do double headers, and they took two uh, over the weekend, twelve uh, nothing and nine nothing from Middle Tennessee. There was a lot of. Uh, experimenting done with the lineup. Uh, the freshman, Alexis Osorio, pitched a great game in one of those, the second game of that doubleheader. Uh, interestingly enough, Drew, Birmingham is a candidate to host the 2021 World Games, which involves sports that are not currently Olympic sports. That being said, to give the committee uh, a, a look at this, the passion in the state of Alabama for athletic events, they're bringing committee members from uh, Europe 
to Tuscaloosa this weekend to see the Alabama-Texas A&M game. Uh, I thought that was um, interesting. And then something I'd like for you to chime in on, Drew, uh, Tommy Lewis, uh, who came off the bench to make a tackle for Alabama many years ago because he was so full of Alabama, passed away at the age of 83 just a few days ago in Huntsville. Yeah, you know, he, he he's one of the all-timers for me as far as that story and how many times he's been told and he comes off the bench. Alabama's just, you know, getting shellacked. Uh, I believe it was against Rice, correct? I believe it was Rice, too, yes. Yes, in Texas. And Alabama was just getting, you know, manhandled. And he finally got so – they were about to break another long TD. And he he runs off the bench to make the tackle. And, of course, he was asked about it after the game. He said, I'm just too full of Alabama. And it's a, it, it's a story that will live in infamy. It's a quote that will – you know, that is, is a legendary quote. And uh, everybody I've talked to about Tommy Lewis said he was a great man. He did live in my city. Uh, never had the opportunity to meet Mr. Lewis, but saw about his his passing this weekend and was very saddened by that. And uh, there's just no doubt about it. He didn't get a chance to, you know, play for Coach Bryant, but he was a great man, and there's no doubt he'll be missed. Uh, we, st- we still have time for you to call in on the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline, which is 71510 Marty, three seven oh seven. Yeah, where is Marty? I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to fool with the participation chart last week because the old, <laughs> the old Miss press box botched it up so badly. They only showed us playing thirty five guys. They didn't show hardly any of the special team guys. But I got a, I got a pretty good one. Uh, the, uh, I got a pretty good uh, participation chart off the uh, Arkansas people. The only thing they screwed up was they listed uh, T Tempenny as covering kicks as being. Uh, Anthony Averett. That was the only error I saw. And uh, we can uh, certainly talk a little bit more about A&M. We, we didn't really get into a whole lot about what A&M, how they'll attack Alabama and how Alabama could could attack them. So uh, Thomas why, Watts. we got yes. some time, why don't we let Thomas Watts give us about five minutes on that and then maybe Marty will call. Okay. Well, uh, I am going to just kind of compress this as much as I can. I want to talk about the A&M offense first, and I want to kind of parallel where they've had – or I don't want to parallel. I want to say where they've had success and really go off of what they did against South Carolina. With South Carolina, A&M got a lot of mileage out of their receivers finding holes in the soft zone and getting a bunch of yards after the catch. If you go back and you really watch those plays, it wasn't like – Kenny Hill was throwing 60-yard bombs 24-7. He'd throw a you know, 15, solid 15, 20-yard completion, but because Ricky Seals-Jones is a freak, you know, 6'5", 240, 250 guy, he would just break a tackle and be gone. So I think the Anim offense really scares me with that because Alabama's secondary has been questionable. I'm sorry, giving up 264 passing yards to Arkansas – that's unacceptable to me. So if Alabama goes soft zone against those four and five wide sets, A&M is going to have success. Now, do I think A&M is going to be able to run the ball that effectively? No, nobody has. Alabama just shut down the best rushing offense in the SEC. Now, yes, the Arkansas offense is power-based as opposed to a spread, but Alabama's defense, if there's one thing it's really good at, it's stopping the run. And if you look at where A&M failed against both Ole Miss and Mississippi State, it was their inability to stay balanced and run the ball. So 
it's going to be a question of can the Alabama secondary step up because you are I'm going I'm willing to assume just me Thomas Watts the fan analyst guy is going to assume that the Alabama defense will will be able to stop the run so the question is does the secondary step up enough to contain this Texas A&M air attack I think I want I do want to kind of hit on something that happened in the Arkansas game and I I, I was just as angry as Drew Drew both of you Drew and Carrie with that game, but I feel like Kenny Hill, you can get into his head a little bit if you get on him early, and I, I kind of parallel that with the Arkansas game against Alabama. Alabama gets a quick three and out, and then they immediately fumble back, and the team just kind of goes into the mental tank. I think Kenny Hill can do that a little bit, too. If those soft zones open up early, and they get it, you know, and him gets going a little bit, Kenny Hill's a momentum player. It could snowball, but conversely, if Alabama gets a big hit or gets a four and out, three and out, four and out, I think Alabama could have a really good day. So that, that's kind of my thought on the offense. Now I want to talk about the Alabama offense attacking the A&M defense. And, Drew, I believe you said earlier in the show, and you're absolutely correct, that the Texas A&M defense has some pretty significant holes. The front is it's, – it's, quite honestly, it's mediocre. Garrett is – going to be an all SEC all American talent, but right. he's not he's not there yet. Yes, he's had a good freshman season, but he's still a true freshman. Mm-hmm. I, I think the Alabama offense is going to see a lot of eight men fronts and Blake Sims is going to have to find a way to back that off. It's and the question is how does he do that? It's going to take something where he rolls out and throws the ball on the money. Or it's going to take something where even though it's not his game, standing in the pocket and hitting a crossing route to get the A&M defense to back off. Because one of the things that will happen going forward for the Alabama offense is Arkansas just put the blueprint out there as to how to really frustrate the Alabama offense. But A&M secondary, also not very good. So even with the bracket coverage that Amari Cooper will probably see again, he'll have some opportunities and that's taking two guys to cover one. So someone else is going to have to make a play if Cooper can't get open. But it, it, it's a real interesting matchup, and I kind of feel like, much like Kenny Hill, I think the Alabama offense has kind of turned into a momentum offense. If Alabama comes out and puts a quick one on A&M, it could get out of control really fast. I completely agree with you, Kerry, that the Alabama team just as a whole – is a completely different animal at home. But I think this game kind of trends toward a shootout. I don't think the Alabama defense is good enough to contain the A&M offense consistently. Likewise, I don't think the A&M defense is consistent enough to do anything against the Alabama offense. So it really does come down to mistakes for me. And I, I was given a lot of pause by the Arkansas game. I know last week I said Alabama was going to flatten Arkansas, and I really believe that. But when you fumble four times, those statistics were so lopsided. And the thing that really got me about the game, and the reason I was most fired up about the Monday comments, and I'm about to publish a savage attack about those on Touchdown Alabama, it's, that, that game was the first time since, hell, maybe Louisiana Monroe in 2007, where I felt like the team really didn't give a damn 
uh, yeah, there was emotion on the sidelines, but their play, it didn't look like they gave a damn, and the mistakes really tanked them. That's very concerning in a game that is going to be decided, in my mind, on mistakes. I still think Alabama will find enough to win, but I think it'll be one of those things where you're chewing your fingernails off to the quick, and they're going to be a fairly solid number of points scored in this game. That said, give me Alabama 31-30. I think it's going to be ridiculously close. What about you guys? What do you have predictions-wise for this game? Oh, wow. I'm going to say 34-24 Alabama. Uh, that's a uh, that's a good question. I I've been kind of struggling to get a feel for it. Uh, I'm gonna tell. I, I'm not gonna say as close as Thomas has, but I would say around. I, I, I'm I'm almost in Carrie's wheelhouse here. I'm gonna say. Uh, wow, I'm gonna say 35-24 Alabama. I think they'll have to put it away in the fourth quarter. I think they'll find a way to score. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have faith in Kiffin and, and, and Coach Saban that they're gonna tweak the offense a little bit and try to get Blake on the edges. I do think A and M is, is is not very good defensively, but Alabama's got to cut down on the mental errors defensively in the secondary. They've got to get some pressure. I agree with Thomas. If they can hit Kenny Hill early, I think they can rattle him. As we've seen, his accuracy has waned since the South Carolina game because South Carolina was obviously not nearly as good a football team as everybody expected because I picked them to win the West. I mean, the East, a lot of people did, but they're a mediocre football team. But Alabama's got the stuff to run. They can't let them run the football even. And they're only going to cursorily try to run it. I think they'll probably throw the ball 70% of the time. But when they do try to run it, shut that down. And I think the key is going to be they need to force two or three turnovers and if they do that, and then if they can finally play a clean game against A&M, uh, they can win, they'll win the football game because Alabama did not play a clean game against A&M two years ago, lost the game, uh, they, and they were able to play a, a, a clean game and turn A&M over and won in a shootout last year. So I just think the bottom line is going to be Alabama needs to protect the football, and if they do so, I think Blake Sims can make enough plays against a weak Aggie defense to win a, a high, pretty high-scoring game, guys. And I think a key – William touched on this earlier uh, when he mentioned Miles Garrett, the uh, defensive end, 6'5", 250 uh, freshman who's just already got eight sacks. I think a key is Alabama going to need to help him out, whether it's with Brian Vogler, Jostin Fowler, whoever, by helping to chip him and double-team him and not make Cam try to block him by himself the whole game. Uh and one thing I want to do, we didn't hear from Marty tonight, but I know that Marty's going to listen uh, either live or to the podcast. So I'm going to give a real quick version of the participation chart in the 14-13 win uh, in Fayetteville, Alabama. Only was able to play 49 kids. Offensive starters were uh, tackle to tackle were Robinson, Quanjo, Bozeman, Taylor, and Shepard. Tight end Vogler, Sims at QB, Yeldon at halfback. The receivers account for three, Cooper Jones and DeAndre White, who played well. Defensively, they started uh, Ashawn Robinson along with uh, Brandon Ivory at the nose, and Dar- uh, Jerron Reed, Xavier Dixon, uh, Dylan Lee, Trey DePriest, and Reggie Ragland. They were the linebackers. The secondary, Eddie Jackson, who played, I don't didn't see Tony Brown out there, um, Cyrus Jones, Landon Collins, and Nick Perry. I think Nick Perry may end up getting phased out a little bit as the season goes on. Off the bench, Alabama did use Tony Brown some, mostly special teams. 
they, they played uh, all T. Tenpenny. It was incorrectly reported by the Arkansas media relations staff that Anthony Averett played. He did not. But all T. Tenpenny did on special teams. We never saw Tenpenny as a running back, which I found a little odd. But also playing uh, off the bench for Alabama were Bradley Silve, Cole Mazza, Cam Sims, who made a big catch, his first catch, uh, Ryan Anderson, Adam Griffith, Ruben Foster, Sean Hamilton, Art Arias Stewart, J.K. Scott, who played great, uh, Holder, Cooper Bateman, uh, Jarek Williams, Mo Smith, Javier Washington, Geno Smith, Derrick Henry, Jostin Fowler, Dalvin Tomlinson, Tim Williams, who shined and flashed, E.J. Petway, who got injured a little bit, Leon Brown, Parker Barano, O.J. Howard, who had a big play, Jonathan Allen, who blocked the extra point that won the game eventually, Dakota Ball, who didn't know when to get off the field, and Darren Lake saw action for only the second time. So, uh, Drew, the only a, a tough road game in the SEC, 49 or 50 guys is about all you can play, and that's what happened in Fayetteville. Yeah, and I think the one bonus to it, Gary, is I don't think there was any severe injuries. You know, uh, DJ Petway tweaked his ankle. Obviously, uh, Coop got a little banged up, but I think Alabama came out of it relatively healthy considering how physical Arkansas is. Uh, hated to hear about Ronnie Clark today. I don't know if we talked about it, but I guess you did talk about it at the beginning of the show. Uh he tore his Achilles play as a scout team running back, trying to give him a look. But at least it looks like Tyron Jones is is uh, coming back to health now that you know they just need to you know get all T ten penny. I was surprised like you that he didn't play a little bit. We'll see if he does Saturday, but I think it's crucial that they get the running game back on track. Yep, and uh, and there's no better team to get your running back uh, uh, running game back on track than the uh, arm tackling <laughs> Texas A and M Aggies. So. Uh, I, I look for T.J. Yeldon and Derek Henry to both come up big Saturday, Drew. I really do. I, I look for Alabama to rush for 200 yards in the game. Coach Saban's really preached about controlling the clock. I think that's what they're going to try to do. And if they control the clock, I really think uh, that they, they, uh, they'll outscore A&M. I think A&M will score points. But I think Alabama's going to find a way to win the football game. And if they do so, Kerry sets up an interesting road trip to Tennessee. And uh, we'll see from there. But I think Alabama – uh, I expect them to step up. They've had two straight weeks of kind of underperformance, uh, and I think that they're due to play well at home. And as you said, they've been a, a good home team this season and pretty much lights out. 2.30, CBS, uh, Coach Saban and the team really appreciate the support they're going to get. And let's not forget at 11 o'clock, uh, hoops on the quad Saturday morning. Absolutely. Everybody come support that team as well. Uh, that's going to be a wrap for another edition of BAMS Radio a member of the Bama Sports Radio family. Uh, for Thomas Watts back in the studio, for Drew DeArmond of AlabamaIntel.com, for myself, Kerry Clark, the BamaMag.com, thanks for listening to Bama's Radio. Roll Tide, everybody. Mm-hmm.